Hey, podcast world, here we are at FNO InsureTech this week in Salt Lake City, Utah. What do you think about that, guys? Pretty awesome. Uh, Very cold outside it's cold. today. There's snow on the ground. Snow everywhere. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Matt Fothery, Lee Boyd, and myself, Rob Beller, on the road this week. Roadshow. We Ro- yeah, we are now at our first uh, on-site podcast. The the nice folks at Exactware invited us to be here in attendance as the podcast in residence. I'm going to call it. What do you think about that? I think it's pretty awesome. You know, we're here in the middle of the hallway. Uh, we have our podcast booth behind us, and uh, we have some really exciting guests to interview while we're here, yes. including one who is on this podcast right now. I know this is this is not your average Joe. No, no. This is a this is a big name, big name in the insure tech world. We we today we have with us the CEO and president of Exactware, a member of the Verisk family, Mr. Mike Fulton, and Mike is a super smart, super nice, very calm, very chilled out guy who did his um, keynote speech this morning and killed it. Oh, it was great. It's one of the best keynotes I've seen in a long time. Very well spoken, well rehearsed. It was uh, it was sensational. It was sensational. He uh, he dominated the room. Wouldn't you agree? I yeah, very much. He uh, you know he was able to bring up three additional guests to to talk about uh, Vera Risk and Geomni and ISO and the way everybody is working together uh, to really build this uh, technology ecosystem within you know all of their companies. They talked about, uh, you know, just everything from integrations uh, to uh, bots to new technologies that they're coming into. And I, I really hope today that we'll get a visit with Mike and get his insight on all of those things. Well, you'll be glad to know that in a matter of seconds, Mike Fulton is going to be our guest on on this very podcast. And um, we'll get to ask him all kinds of questions. I'm excited. Let's okay. do it. Let's do it. So without further ado, our interview with Mike Fulton. Our very special guest right now is Mike Fulton, who is the CEO of Exactware. Correct. Is that correct? Well Did I get done. that right? Yeah, well done. President and CEO. Yes. That'll okay. work too. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I always say I don't care what you call me, just keep the paychecks coming. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> Perfect. Um, we also have Matt Fothery, our CEO at four seventy, and Lee Boyd, of course, my usual partner in crime. I am here today. Okay. So uh, we all had the privilege of having you uh, of witnessing your keynote speech this morning at the opening of the Elevate conference, which was really cool. And I have to start by saying you are very calm and composed. Thank you. I was very impressed. Good. Uh, I'm glad. How did you do that? Uh, Well, it's, and I I tell people, we've got a great team here that preps everything, gets it set up so that I, for the most part, just have to show up. Uh, and read from the teleprompter. But the, the idea is just really just practicing. Um, I've written the speech with uh, with a, a co-writer. I go over it word by word multiple times and then rehearse it several times to make sure that it, it all comes off well. The key is really 
And it's a little bit of an X factor when you've got other people coming up on stage to present with you. Mm-hmm. You've got to get it done within an hour. And that's, right. that's uh-huh. a challenge. And luckily, I mean, I, I was sitting over at the side when we had some of the other presenters up thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got 10 minutes to, <laughs> to really wrap this thing up. But I was happy to see that I was walking off the stage right at 9 a.m. So it was, no, it was I, positive. No, I, I think you did it to like the minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right to the minute. That was, that was a good job. Good right. job on it's that one. Very much. It's one thing if you're doing it yourself, but you had, uh, you had I think, three people <laughs> come three up. Three others. Yeah. So good job. Thanks very much. Yeah. It's, you, it was fun. You were the most relaxed. Well, I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's talk about some high points from the speech today. Yeah, so not everybody uh, who is listening to our podcast was able to make it today. Uh, but, you know, why don't you walk us through a little bit of the keynote? You know, what were some of the things that, that you announced today or actually discussed? Great question. Uh, and one of the big focuses for Verisk, Verisk is our parent company. We were acquired um, back in 2008. But um, one of the big focuses for us and the insurance industry as a whole is greater automation, greater efficiency throughout the claims process. So we are trying to implement that in in a number of ways. Uh, We talked about terms such as low touch, no touch, high touch from a claims perspective. Most of those are pretty self-explanatory and people understand that. We talked about how we're shifting that message over to what we call the right touch claims, which effectively just means, you know, applying varying degrees of automation throughout the claims process based upon, you know, the policyholder's demographic. How old are they? How are they willing to embrace technology or what's their reluctance to it? versus what's their schedule like, you know, can they actually meet somebody on site uh, versus, you know, some of the complexities of the claim. Uh, and moving towards that, I think, is um, is the direction that they want to take from an insurance carrier perspective. Um, but it's really not unlike the, uh, I liken it to the driverless car analogy, you know. I mean, they, they, they want to have automation, but they're not quite ready to take their hands off the steering wheel yet. Yeah, can you trust that far? Does right. it really work? Right. Well, right. I mean, think of think of yourself. If someone had come to you five years ago and said, hey, I've got this this driverless car. Do you mm-hmm. want it? You're thinking, maybe I uh-huh. want to see, see uh-huh. somebody else use it. So what they've done over the last five years, I mean, now you've got lane assist, you've got self-parking, right. you've got sensors all over the place and right. br- auto braking and all of those things. So we're becoming more, you know, accepting of that technology so right. that now today if someone throws a driverless car in front of you you're you're probably a little bit more willing to accept it and that's really the way we've got to handle it from a, a claims perspective is to start putting in automation where it makes sense so that they gradually think they can they can let their hands off the steering wheel good point you you uh you covered chatbots today, or chatbots were covered. Right. And there was an interesting statistic about uh, the number of people that are comfortable with that. And it's a high number. Wasn't that interesting? That was very right. interesting. So what was interesting to me, and the stat I mentioned, is that we everybody thinks that the millennial generation are the ones that are just, they, they text everything. My kids are the same way, and they're, they're more willing to talk to a machine. But really, there was about 30% of them that readily admit that they're not real comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my generation, the baby boomer generation, there's about 30% of us that say we are comfortable. So there's a mm-hmm. fair degree of overlap mm-hmm. uh, in them. And what we, when we originally started going down this road of talking about right touch, there was a thought that, you know, basically if we know some of the characteristics of the claim, what's the size, the type, the location, things of that nature, we can try and fit it into one of those buckets, meaning the, right. the no touch, the low touch, the high touch. Just doesn't work that way. You've, you've got to 
you got to offer it up to the policyholders, see what direction they want to take it, uh, and uh, and just follow them really with it. It's all about the customer being number one. I mean, they have to make that choice and feel like they are. And if they're accepting of that, then they're going to get that high-touch claim no matter what path it goes down, right? And that's the overall philosophy of the right touch, right, is they feel like they've been in control of the process. Yep. From the customer's perspective, it's a high touch, regardless of whatever right. whatever path you put them Good on. Point. Uh, we use those terms, no touch, but uh, I don't think any... The, the, the chatbot video that we showed, you know, a guy that was completely settling a, a very high-frequency, low-severity fence claim, um, pro- never spoke to a human throughout the mm-hmm. process, but he probably felt like he had a very high touch in his claims process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you, you talked about the study uh, showing how people uh, were more willing to give more information to a chatbot whenever they thought they were talking to uh, just a a bot. A machine right, versus right, a human. Right, Isn't that strange? Right, that, that was, was the, really the therapist. Yeah. The therapist. It was a therapist for mental health patients. <laughs> <laughs> I was really My wife is a therapist. Stat. She's not going to like to hear this. <laughs> but no, that, you know, and it really opened my eyes. I'm thinking, well, everybody's going to give more information to a, to a human where there's stats out there showing that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. People are maybe, maybe going to be more honest or maybe going to be able to give more information, you know, if they feel like, um, they're talking to a to a you know chatbot. I th- well, and it remains to be seen. Obviously, I mean, right. there's a limited amount of data that right. uh, that right. you can research on the subject right now. But it's it's interesting. Yeah, I don't think we know we don't know what we don't know at this point. You know, and you know another thing that was talked about today. Uh, we were talking earlier was say hi to buy, right? Why don't you Why don't you tell our listeners? What, what, what does that mean? What is that? Say hi to buy. So as we at Verisk have started going down this road of automated uh, or, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, um, we wanted to be able to, because this, this technology is going to be employed in so many different products, we wanted to be able to put some kind of a stamp on it that would kind of bring it home and have some consistency uh, for users. So we've said that, let's call it Verisk Automated Intelligence or Verisk Artificial Intelligence, which the acronym is just VAI, V-A-I. And therefore, we can then start putting that stamp on products in different areas and people can see as they're using what has been typically a conventional product like Xactimate, where there might be some you know, artificial intelligence being employed to it or within it, they could click on the link, provide some additional information. So it's just a way for us to try and put some consistency and, and bring all of that together within the suite of products. You talked uh, today about the importance of the information and data. And I, I would guess that Verarist, you know, partnership and what they bring to the table really brings it all into perspective now, right? Can you talk a little bit about that, what that has given you on the AI front and how that's accelerated you really through this process? Absolutely. And and I think that because of all of the things we do from the underwriting side to the claim side, um, the, our, our claim search database, if you're not familiar with that, it's a contributory database, I think 1.3 billion records in it mm-hmm. being used by 90% of the PNC insurance industry wow. uh, in the United States. And for those out there listening that don't, don't understand what it is, it's a way that really tracks every carrier contributes claim information to it so that if, if, if someone submits a claim to me as an insurer, I can push out a request to the claim search database for what's called a an echo report. So it just basically says if, if this is a claim by Mike and he's had a, a claim at, you know, 1212 Main Street at his home, 
the system will return uh, information that says, well, Mike has had all of these claims that have been reported, and there's been these many claims at 1212 Main Street, even even though Mike may not have lived there. It's just a way to, to potentially detect and prevent fraud. But having all of that data together really, I think, gives us um, an opportunity, probably more so than anybody else in the industry, to start mm-hmm. pulling it all together and uh, and do the artificial intelligence. Data is really what is, is it takes to drive that system. Um, the one challenge, frankly, that we have, we've been in business for a long time. We've got a lot of um, great customers, legacy contracts, and, and our ability to really leverage that data amongst and share it and aggregate it is somewhat limited. We're contractually obligated to not. And so we're trying sure. to we're trying to create a mind shift within the industry. So not unlike the medical industry, you know, you go visit your doctor if you've got the flu, you know, I don't want him sharing my name, you know, that I've got mm-hmm. some kind of contagion, you but know, the information is fine. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if he mm-hmm. needs to pass out pass some additional some high level information along so that other health professionals can and prepare and plan for it. I would liken it to that, and that's really what we're trying to do. But nonetheless, it's it's a kind of a mind shift on the side of the insurer with regard to the ability to use that data. A little bit of a mind shift um, on the part of the consumer who's got to be more willing to be more open and, mm-hmm. and use the technology. And I think we're seeing all those things. It's just not, not going to happen overnight. There was uh, uh, something that GM or the auto industry is contributing oh, data yes. about uh, trips and yeah. mile- what, what, was that? what was that? So um, if you've heard the acronym, Same idea. Yeah. Right? I- IoT, the Internet of Things sure. and, and telematics. Um, I mean, you cars have got sensors all on them. You know, we're familiar with GM's OnStar mm-hmm. uh, and things of that nature. Uh, and, you know, the auto industry is trying to move to the point because they're they're trying to move to the point where should you have an accident, you know, OnStar doesn't just contact you and say, are you okay? Do you need an ambulance? Do you need a tow truck? But now they're saying, can we put you in touch with your insurer? Wow. And many people are very open about that. The auto, the auto industry, the manufacturers, um, their motive is to sell OEM parts. Mm-hmm. Sure, I want sure. you to go to a body shop. I don't sure. want to buy aftermarket parts. <laughs> right, I want you to buy right. my stuff. Uh-huh. But from the consumer's perspective, you're getting a very high degree of customer service. That's moving along a little bit more quickly. We, we started up a, 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 a data exchange amongst uh, automotive companies where they're providing that data to us. And you saw the stats uh, within the presentation. I'm sorry, I can't quote them now. But billions of trips and yeah, billions, billions of miles, of miles. That, have, right. that have been captured already. It's amazing, the type of data. But they've got a little better control because you've got Ford, GM, you know, Honda, whatever. They, they know all the parts that are in their car. They've uh-huh. got control over the sensors and the communication. On the property side, I mean, you've got IoT for your thermostat, for your fridge, right. you know, and, and, and other things. But it's none of it's all tied together through right. a single manufacturer. But ultimately, we would like to be able to get to the point where we could provide that same level of type of aggregation and service to the policyholder. Uh-huh. So that not only you could control your home from a smart as a smart home or from a smart app, but be able to manage the risk at well as well. And I mean, we've seen the smart water devices right. that uh, if you know if, if Mike's on vacation and it senses water flowing through the main, shut her down. You right. know, and those that's the direction that we're heading. But from a claims perspective, I mean, we've got a lot of professionals here that are make a good living, including us, on servicing claims. Um, yeah, you've got to be sensitive to that because we're talking about minimizing and reducing uh, the number of claims, and it's all about service. It's this, there's a changing model I think that's going to happen across the industry to to really service this. I, I have a quick question for you. This is a little off topic, sure. but um, 
uh, we're we're independent insurance adjusters, yes. and we've been in the industry for a long time. We've done a lot of business with with your company through the years. Uh, I consider we I, I I'm sure as we for everybody at the table, we consider you a valuable partner. Absolutely. How do you respond to people in the industry who say, "Wow, what's going to happen to our business with all this automation?" Yeah, that is a great question. It's actually one with our, our expert panel that I put forth as probably the most important question to all of us. From an automation perspective, what most insurers are really interested in today in automating are the very high frequency, low severity type of losses. Correct. So the fence claim, the thing that they would just otherwise do once and done. So it, mm-hmm. ideally, it might be things that you may not address anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to gradually move into more complex claims. I think it's going to change your industry. Um, the extent to which it is, I don't know. And I think the balance that we've got to strike is that, you know, how you do business on a day-to-day basis is one thing. But when you have, you know, Hurricane Harvey come into Houston, how are you going to be able to scale up to address right. that? And, and that's the balance that I think there has to be some real open discussion, open dialogue within the industry to make sure that you're able to service them the extent to which they need on the day-to-day business, but can also ramp that up when needed on in the high catastrophe areas. And one of the things we're seeing, and and, and Matt and Lee can speak to this a lot more than I, but that... Uh, a lot of the carriers that we work for, they don't want the highly unskilled, if I can say that, untrained, unsophisticated inspector necessarily going out to the claim. They want somebody who's insurance savvy, who who understands what a loss is. Yeah, and I think it's even more impactful that they understand how to handle the customer and, and the customer right. service still, because they're still this learning curve with everything that's coming that that we still understand how the insurance claim works and can walk them through as all this technology is emerging but it's still different i mean as as some of this the bots come up it's changing the way we even explain the claim as as you know it is and you know i look at it as as really the uh, greater good right yes things will change businesses will change businesses will be forced to evolve and and become maybe what they aren't today they may have to be something different but there is the greater good there's the whole uh, world of uh, customer expectation that we have to meet as an insurance industry right and so we have to be able to evolve and change with these times so if it is uh, using chatbots if it is using uh, new AI technologies to to get these claims settled that's just a fact of life you know, if, if we don't evolve with it, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going to die out, period. Right, right. I think what you'll find, uh, and this is just my own sense, is that what insurers are dealing with, you've got the top five, top ten, maybe even top 20 insurers that employ a lot of staff adjusters. Right. And they've got kind of an age, aging demographic there. They're, right. they're set for retirement. They're not, they're not actually getting new folks into that that have the construction savvy as well as the insurance savvy. And, and frankly, one of the interesting things this afternoon, John Ratzenberger's here, and he's, he's started a foundation called Nuts, Bolts, and Thingamajigs. <laughs> but it's all about teaching the younger generation how to fix things and how to not be afraid <laughs> to fix things. Right. And I, mean, I don't know if you've noticed this. I, I spent a lot of time with my son, who's now 21, teaching him how to work on cars and how to put things together, and more importantly, not be afraid to tear something apart and see how to yeah. put it back together. But a lot of the younger generation doesn't doesn't do that now. Right. But so the, insur- the big insurers are trying to account for a retiring workforce within their staff. 
the smaller insurers right. who, who leverage a lot of IAs and the bigger ones that use you on the cat situations, I think they're going to need you for a long time. But but you're right. I mean, it's it's a shift in the industry that we all have it to is. understand is coming. It is. It is coming. I thought another uh, very interesting statistic is, you know, last year was a huge loss year for the industry. I think you said that we were uh, $46 billion in losses. But over the last three years, it looks like our average cycle time on a, on a contact to inspect has dropped almost 1.5 days. That's pretty remarkable. And, and how do you explain that from your perspective to kind of give us some insight? And I think it probably leads back to this technology ecosystem you talked about. Is that what you think is the leading contributor to it? Well, I, I mean, I would like to think so, but I think that, I mean, a, a lot of the tools that we're putting in place help people to be able to reach out more quickly uh, to folks. I think some insurers are putting in place more uh, effective tools for reporting first notice of loss. Um, I think from the supply chain side, you guys are being measured more tightly on how quickly no you doubt. get out there. No doubt. Uh, and um, I think all of that is, is adding to it. But what's what's really interesting that we really didn't get into, even though it was a record year from a dollar value perspective, it really didn't have the quite the number of claims that we had in prior years with like Harvey, Irma, and Maria, uh, and so on. So it's just, I mean, inflation is driving the dollar value of claims right. up, but from a from a frequency perspective, it might be a little bit less, and so people are able to uh, to actually service them a little bit more quickly. Bit quickly. But it's it's still remarkable going from. You know, three and a half days to two and a half days is it, it takes a lot to move the needle that it much does. across the industry. Over that many, over you know, millions, right? Of Absolutely. Claims. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. Three million cat claims was uh, was thrown out. That's that's a lot of claims to service in, you know, a four and a half day inspection. That's pretty remarkable. Right. We, but given with some of the events we've had this year, hurricanes and wildfires and some of that stuff. You know, we have. I, I read. I believe it was in November that. Uh, Exactimate just processed its 100th million claim. Is that right? Con- con- congratulations. That's a lot of claims. And, and with that, that's a lot of people using the systems. And the last 10 minutes of your presentation today was about integrations, right? And, and, and you talked about how you were a little taken back by uh, people saying that, you know, Exactware is not a open platform, right? Why don't you Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? You You, you gave us some stats. That I believe that you're actually integrated with with 96. Um, I believe that's yes. right. 96. Yep. You know, and go ahead and tell our, our listeners just a little bit about your philosophy behind that, and you know, kind of where that's going. Well, the the market is certainly changing. We live in in a little bit of a different world, and we've always been very open from an integration perspective. Uh, I would say that we've always been very cautious and tried to be very controlled uh, with it uh, as well. But, you know, when an insurer sends claim information to us, we, we're kind of the clearinghouse. We're, the, we're really the stewards of their mm-hmm. data. Yeah. And so we have to be careful that when it goes out to even, if you think of the, the three-legged stool between, between the insurer, Exactware, and, and whether it's an IA firm or a, or a contractor, mm-hmm. all of those three parties have agreements with each other. On handling data, so you bring in a fourth party that which something a party that the contractor might want to deal with for workflow management or accounting or things of that nature. That group doesn't have a contract with the insurer, doesn't have a contract with with anybody else, and yet we need to make sure because we have got a responsibility to protect the insurer's data that they can live up to the same standards. Right. So can they can they meet the security standards that we offer and so on? And so. We've, we've been cautious um, and not closed, but controlled. The one thing that we hadn't really done in the past, we've always been really cautious about, is integrating with those that compete with us. 
Correct. Like most. Sure. I, I, right. Yeah. Completely understandable. But the world is changing. I mean, think of Amazon. You go onto Amazon, uh, you can buy products that Amazon sells. You can buy products that others sell as well. Mm, um, right. Amazon entices you to, to buy their products because they give you Prime and free mm, shipping and right. all these other things. Sure. That's the model that I think we've got to we've got to get to. And I think that's mm. where the industry is heading. So our our expanding into that world is, is going to be along those lines. Mm-hmm. Still going to be cautious, still going to be controlled, but I'm not going to have that that barrier where just because they're a, they're a competing solution that we would we would put up that wall. Yeah, we uh, interview many insurtech companies, and it frequently comes up: Are you integrated with one platform or another? Right. And um, so I think it's it's absolutely something you have to address, particularly as more and more and more and more insurtech solutions solutions come of age and are adopted by carrier but adopted by your customers i'm sure your customers are saying to you i need their tool to, to talk to your tool right right they're probably asking for it yeah and sure tech is a big buzzword that's going around the industry and we have within verisk verisk is a big organization and we offer so many tools we often end up categorizing or having ourselves categorized outside of the insure tech space because insure tech typically means, well, you've got some VC money and you're taking right. this uh-huh. little small use case. Uh-huh. And right. It's easier. It's easy for someone from one of those organizations to come into an insurer and say, hey, I do this. And they say, great, I can use that. And whereas a Verisk salesman comes in and says, we do everything. Right. And they just can't get their head around everything that um, that they might be able to use that for. So we're really trying to change that because Verisk is really a confederation of a lot of business units that are really insure tech. Exactor mm-hmm. is one, uh, I think. We've got investment from Verisk, so we've got the VC money. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's uh-huh. not venture capitalists, it's Verisk corporate that's investing in us <laughs> to VC be able to do money. that, but it's still VC. <laughs> uh, and that's really what we're trying to do, is just make sure that we can keep up with that industry. But you're exactly right, is that um, we still, even that being the case, the insurer wants to be able to take care of any type of use case that they need they don't want to be limited to selecting perhaps a product that Verisk offers today or that Verisk might offer in six months. And so we need to be more open about integrating with some of those other solutions. I think you brought up kind of the Apple use case, and, and that's a perfect example of a very tight e- ecosystem that allows integration, but they have a very strict regimented standard for that ecosystem, True right? That. They have a very high standard. And I don't worry about my data within Apple because I know they've got that development in the brand and the security. I think that's what I'm hearing is, is, is you want to be the Apple of the insurance industry. You want to, you, you, you kind of want to take on that reputation, right? Well, I think, and I think like it or not, we're in that world. I mean, we, we yes. have developed a platform on which everyone lives, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and if they right. want to work with the insurer, you, you know, you get it. Um, do you guys use Xactimate? And it's a great, it's a great business model, but with great, great power comes great responsibility, right? And so we've, we really have to be cautious about that and make sure that we're requiring those same uh, levels of standard with regard to data security as, as, are, as are required of us. Sure. You know, I would say as, as users of your product and then many others, we very much appreciate all of the uh, um, thought that goes in, into the uh, integrating with other companies. Because as much as we want those integrations, we also need to make sure that we're treating our policyholders and, 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 and insurers with respect to their data. So we thank you for that. But we also thank you for having having an open mind with the, uh, with the future of integrations, because that's what it is, right? Amazon Alexa, Apple, Google. The, the, the world is growing, and uh, integrations and data are really where it's at. APIs is the future. So. Right. 
Well, right. Netflix, a big user of AWS. That's correct. Right. Yes. Correct. That's correct. <laughs> There's a competition for you. Yeah, right. and AWS, great service. We're actually migrating to it. I mean, oh, one, okay. of the, one of the challenges, we started, there were the terms that were, the term that was floated around several years ago was kind of public cloud, quote unquote. Right. And right. that, using that term was the wrong thing to do because uh, right. it just, you just envision that everything's out there in the public right. yeah. uh, when it's really not. It's really no different. I mean, any business today that, that uses an on-prem server environment is leasing servers, and you've got people come in and ser- coming in and servicing those. And even though they might be in your building or they might be down the street at a data center, it's really no different than, than utilizing AWS. And the thing that AWS gives you is the ability to scale up and down more quickly when needed. Very quickly. That, yeah. that was going to be my question is wh- wh- why are you choosing them? I mean, they're, they're so... Um, they're so amazing in so many of their verticals that they work in. If you can tell us at the thirty thousand foot level why you chose why you chose to go in that direction, why we chose to go Amazon or just the just yeah, the cloud. AWS. Um, just the reputation that they have. Mm-hmm. They offer a lot of different services. They they provide what we believe is the greatest level of security when it comes to. Um, the you know we've got data from obviously multiple carriers we want to make sure that those are fenced off really properly mm-hmm. um, and really the scalability of it and as we go in a big push of of ours is to go beyond north america and so when you think of gdpr if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. um, some pretty strict um, restrictions with regard to security of data and pretty strict penalties you mm-hmm. know should data get out into the wild so going into country, into another country, has a great deal of expense if you're going to go in and open up a data center or at least data center space, right. whereas you can go and fire up you know, an AWS service in that region relatively cheaply by comparison for a fraction of the cost, mm-hmm. and it has the same level of security, security that you would otherwise. And it gives you the ability to scale up as customers scale up, whereas doing a, an on-prem type of data center, you've got a plan for what we call right. catastrophic success. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, we have a little bit of experience with that (laughs) (laughs) well you know this this is a fantastic conference uh we love it here uh you said this is this is your 10th year glad you guys came yes it is is great and and a little bit under a thousand attendees is that right yeah so registered um we're over 800 we tend to and, and you guys you know our home office is just 30 miles down the road so a big a big Part of our success is getting our employees up here to intermingle with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that's folks. great. We at, love that part. Yeah. yeah. At any given time, there's a hundred exact for employees up here wow. going around. So attendance, yes, in that room, I think we're pushing a thousand uh, registered attendance of with regard to clients. Is I think we're pushing about eight and a quarter, which wow. is a record. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been coming for five years now, I guess, and every year it grows. I was telling Rob that, you know, whenever I first came, that that room was just all round tables. Right. And then they started adding some chairs, and now it's just every year it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's it's quite humbling, and it's, it's really great. And I had a comment brought up to me last year at the conference that somebody said, they said, you know, I go to other conferences to party. Mm-hmm. This is where I come to get business done. Uh, Very and, good. You know, I thought that's a that's a great way to put it. Right. And, and I find myself, we can get more business done in this 48-hour period than you really can six months otherwise. Right. That, and that what, what a terrific thing that is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, we consider you 
kind of the number one insure tech. Thank you. That's when when we, we talk about you and we think about we absolutely think of you is absolutely an insure tech, and uh, so you're so you're cool. Wonderful. <laughs> you're very cool. We will live up to that. Okay. Well, we appreciate okay. you so much stopping by today. And appreciate the time and visiting with us. Thanks, guys. This has been this has been great fun. Oh, I appreciate it. And, Anytime. And and we have to thank you for letting us do this. I mean, uh, right. it's your company, your your people were open to the idea, and uh, good for them. And we appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. This is all about you guys. It's certainly not about us. So thanks very much. You. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming by, Mike. Thanks. Take care, guys. Well, what an interesting, smart, nice guy. Very smart. Very well spoken. He didn't disappoint. That was outstanding. <laughs> no, I mean, to think about the fact that here we are, he, he's basically the host of a thousand people. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that kind of blows my mind. I mean, he's uh, this is his Super Bowl, right? This, this is, is his, his Super Bowl. Com- conference, right, right. and then to carve out, you know, 30, 40 minutes with us to visit and really very generous. You know, put his game face on it. It was very generous of him. Yeah, he he's such a nice guy, and he's so thoughtful in his in his answers. Uh, just a, a lot of great information there. Uh, I found it really interesting that he he said that a lot of people don't don't think of them as as insured tech. You know, what did y'all think about that? Yeah, I, uh, as we've all talked before, I think they're the number one insure tech there is. Right? Uh, I would agree. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of amazing to hear that perspective. But that, I mean, they're absolutely one of the biggest insure tech out there. We, we've always considered them that way. I mean, they might not be, you know, 12 guys, you know, in somebody's, you know, basement, right with with a bunch of laptops sitting around obviously they're a well-established company they're very sophisticated they've been around a long time but for those of us who've been in this industry a long time they've been the technology and the innovator they are the ones who who yeah they set off insured tech as a whole any move that they make sends ripples through the entire industry you know. Well, and they and they and he covered it in the opening remarks, and he covered it here today. They they've got their own ecosystem now. They do, and the suite of services they uh, offer is unprecedented. And they have a lot of intelligent people here, and it's just going to keep growing, right? And and it's it's sensational. Great conference. I was very excited to hear him bring up uh, integration. Uh, I understand why they have been very thoughtful in their integration moves. I understand that. I'm very happy that they are thinking more outside the box. He even said on here, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they might integrate with a competitor. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting comment. That's a major change for this company. Absolutely. Uh, but I, th- I think a very thoughtful one at that. Yes, I agree. Right. I agree. He, yeah, he made it very, very well known that it's not that we didn't integrate. We've integrated with 96 companies outside of our industry. It's just we were very thoughtful. And in that, we were slower to move. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't overdo it. But it does sound as though the doors are opening a little wider. Not that they were closed. We want to be clear of that. He was very clear on that. But I do feel like they're wider. And I think some of that is uh, you have to hand to Mike Fulton. Right. He he strikes me as somebody who's even keeled, even tempered and um, and, you know, has a good sense of 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 his company's position in the marketplace. I would agree. He has listened to what people want. And as long as the data is right and the security is still there, I think the answer is why not? Yeah, you have to step back and look at the landscape and see what's going on. And, and we're at a. 
a very interesting time in in this industry. There's a lot of noise, a lot of you know uh, technology out there, and so you have to step back and say what's going to emerge, where can we step next? You know, how does this ecosystem keep developing? So I, I think it's I think it's very smart of him and the company to to accelerate with those integrations and really put an emphasis on that. And and you know, for, uh, from somebody who you know plays around in this world every day, one thing you have to hand to them is. They have a lot of products that work. They do, right? I mean, they're they're ready to be used today, and I mean that's hard to that's hard to fight if if you're if you're trying to penetrate into this marketplace. I mean, look at Claims Experience. That that is an that's an amazing tool, right? It is. You know, I, I we Rob and I are speaking uh, on uh, Claims Experience and Geomni and and some tools that we can use in the virtual world. So I've been able to really dig deep in my research on Claims Experience. It's it's an awesome tool. It uh, it has so much possibility. In fact, we were talking to some carriers the other night on how they plan to use it, which is even outside the box of how it was intended. It it has great capability. So you guys are speaking, huh? We are we are speaking, Matt. Can I come? You are not allowed to be in the room, no. <laughs> Man, I knew you were gonna say that. No, because I shudder to think what might happen from the back of the room. I'll be nice, I promise. Mm-hmm. You gonna be in the front row or in the last row? Where do you want me? <laughs> right outside the room. <laughs> right outside the room. Well what what do y'all think about this conference? What a great place here. I mean, we're off to a great start. Keynote was great. Uh we've stuck our head in a couple of sessions. I mean, everything's on point and you guys are coming up after lunch. So I, I look forward to, uh, we've got another keynote this afternoon. We do. John, John, uh, Rassenberger. I think you said did it I, right. Did I That's pronounce right. it correct? That's congratulations. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. He'll be a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Cliff Mike, from Cliff. Cheers. Mike talked a little bit about what he's going to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited about that one. I plan to be on that for sure. Well, uh, stay with us. There's, we'll have more from Elevate 19, the Exactware conference and uh, uh, more guests, more information, and uh, more good times. Thank you, everybody.